Hey, all you intrepid architects out there. If you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Well, hello there, Bright Lights. Angela here today you are going to hear an interview that I did with my friend, Sarah Francescuti. Sarah is a business coach and owns Exhale and Thrive, and she interviewed me for her Glow and Shine mini retreat so her audience could hear more about my strategies for getting more out of your daily 24. For those of you who may have bought my book, you'll notice Sarah also wrote the foreword for it and is herself very much invested in time management. So I think you will really enjoy this interview. It's a real treat. So listen in. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Glow and Shine Retreat. And I'm so excited to bring my friend and the amazing career coach, Angela Mazzi here with us today. So she's going to be sharing with us a little peek into her new book called Time Builder, which I had the honor of reading and it's awesome. As a, someone who's passionate and, you know, a little bit geeky into the time management topic, it's always fun to read something new and refreshing. And Angela, as you'll be able to tell from our conversation today, has such a great real energy and kind of directness about her book, the stories she shares are amazing. And then, you know, the tips that we will be talking about today will give you a little bit of a peek into what she's going to be sharing in her whole book. So Angela is an architect by career, very successful in that, and then also runs her architecting podcast. And as I mentioned, is a wonderful career coach as well. So Angela, thank you for being here today. And I'd love to hear your I guess we kick off the conversation about what led to you writing your book in the first place. Sure. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me be your guest. It's really an honor to talk to you and your audience. And this is such an important topic. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing I hear over and over from people is, I'd love to, but I'm too busy. Mm -hmm. And this can be everything from relaxing and self-care all the way to taking those opportunities that would really catapult you into success and it can feel really frustrating because when you watch someone do this it's really a form of self-sabotage they're holding Mm -hmm. themselves back because they don't think they have the time to do anything but go to work every day and do life management at home. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that's a common theme, especially with people that are feeling maybe stuck or frustrated with maybe where their life is or their career is, or they're feeling overwhelmed. And I, I think it comes from a place of disempowerment, honestly, you know, cause it is really how you choose to look at things. Um, and I'm sure you can tell us more about that, how it's, you can make the time if it's really important. So I'm wondering if you can say more about yeah. what you see all, about all of that. 
I love that word disempowerment because a lot of the time the people who feel that they don't have enough time also kind of view themselves as victims. Mm -hmm. They're so busy meeting external demands that they're not thinking about how to grow themselves, how to nurture themselves, how to really unleash their potential on the world because mm. they're too busy meeting expectations. So it is, a, it is a real problem. And the thing is, it really comes down to priorities. And I like to say you make the time for the things you want to do and you make excuses for everything else. So find yourself <laughs> very true. <laughs> making excuses for the things that you say you want to do. That's when you have to really stop and say, what's going on here? Mm. Why am I holding myself back? You know, and if it's because you really don't care about hitting a certain career milestone, then don't try to hit it, right? But if it really matters to you to do something, but you find that you're always kicking the can down the road, that's when you need to reassess. And mm. that's really what the book is about. You know, you can read a lot of time management books that are about scheduling or organizing or making lists and different systems. And those are all helpful. Some people will find certain things work better for them than others. But for me, time management is an inside job. Mm -hmm. And it is really about taking care of yourself so you have optimal energy, having good boundaries so people don't siphon off your bandwidth, and then really being clear on what matters to you and making it a non-negotiable in your life. And it, you know, people will say, but I can't do that. I have to, and they'll have their whole list. And they'd be surprised to realize that you don't have to quit your job to focus on your priorities. Just giving it a couple hours every day can really start to progress in a really short period of time. And you might say, well, how do I get all this time? Well, it's just kind of rejuggling what you're already doing in a day and saying, do I have to do this? Mm -hmm. So at our house, we look a lot at, you know, do I always have to be the one that makes dinner when I have a 15 year old and a 19 year old? Eh, maybe not. And are they going right. to make the same kind of dinner I would make? Probably not, but I could do something else with that hour of my time. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you're also empowering them to learn how to cook and you know, get confident in their skills as well. So I, I really like everything you said, and we could probably dive into each kind of little tidbit for hours. Um, but I really wanted to, I guess, I wonder if we can kind of talk a little bit about that switch. So instead of feeling like I'm too busy, I'm overwhelmed, I don't have time, to instead start looking at, well, how can I rebalance what's already on my plate so that there's a little more space? Like you said, you know, one question could be, well, who else could do the do the dishes or do the dinner cooking? Can you can you talk us through a little bit more about that so people can start to maybe see how it would fit within their own sure. work and life? Yeah. So a lot of times you know, in terms of who else could do it. We hold on mm. to things so tightly, especially at work. 
things become very precious to us. And we don't believe that if we delegated it, that someone else would give it that same love. Mm. And my challenge back is, no, they probably won't, but they'll love it in a way that you can't. And by loving it that way, they'll advance it in a way you wouldn't have seen or been able to. So we have to let go of this idea that things can only be done our way and empower other people, but also get excited about what they might do with mm-hmm. something. Absolutely, because so, there's that's when their genius can come in, you know, their perspective, or, you know, they can maybe put more time and thought into it than we would. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that is really important, being able to let go and empower others But it's also important to say, what can I just jettison? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes things don't have to be done at all. We're saying yes to things that we could have given a polite no to, or we're falling victim to other people's expectations when we could set better boundaries and just take those things off of our plate altogether. Yes, yeah, so that resonated to me a lot in your book when you were talking about the whole, um, what did you call it, child kid engineering or something? <laughs> I don't remember the term, uh, but that resonated to me as a new mom. Obviously, I haven't quite got our daughter into activities yet, but I'm sure, you know, some new parents would have already by this point. So can you can you just talk through that example a little bit? Sure, sure. So I think it is fascinating that if you look at the amount of time that stay-at-home moms in the 60s spent with their kids, that it was far less than the amount of time that working parents spend with their kids today. Why oh, is mm-hmm. that? Okay. It's because the stay-at-home mom didn't try to be a helicopter parent. Mm. She let her kids run around the neighborhood all day. They maybe even walked or rode their bikes to school. They didn't have all kinds of extracurriculars. They came home and they played. So she wasn't having to put a lot of effort. Today, we feel all this pressure because we've kind of idealized childhood. So now we feel like if we don't give our children all of these enrichment opportunities that we're somehow failing them. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on kids that doesn't always need to be there, but also puts a lot of pressure on us because who has to take them all these places, right? They're not usually down the street and walkable. They require driving and everything has also turned up a notch in intensity so i like to tell the story you know when i did gymnastics which was only for the exercise i went to terry's school of dance and i went for an hour once a week and once a year we had a recital and that was the end of the time commitment Mm. when i wanted to do the same thing with my daughter what i found was you had to pay all this money and join this gym and that it was a multiple day of the week, multiple hour time commitment with tournaments. And I thought, you know, for some kids, that's the right answer. But for most of them, do they even need all of that? Mm. Or could they go once a week for an hour? So it really is kind of working with your kids to say, 
what extracurricular things are really aligned with their interests? Do they really get something out of doing? And then letting go of the rest of it. Oh, I love that. And that just feels so freeing. And when I read it, I thought, yes, that's great, you know, because I, I do believe very much, I mean, in this hey, Exhale and Thrive community, the whole point, point of it is the exhale part, as well as the, like the recharge part, as well as the doing part. So I think just, just with our kids, as well as ourselves, we need to give ourselves space to breathe. And without that, then all of these desires and goals and dreams just don't have anywhere to be either. And, and in your book, I know how you, you showed an example of one of your clients about how you did a little bit of work with her in this area to find a little mm -hmm. sliver of, of, of time. So I'll just describe it to those that are listening. Um, if you imagine a pie chart and it was kind of, you had all of your work and your sleep and all of that in there, um, all divvied up and um, Angela, maybe you can take it from here about what you guys did together to find more space. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. So we talked about how her day was um, split up and basically she had work obligations about 10 hours a day. That's not atypical and that included her commute. She had life management, which we all have to do, right? We have to cook and clean and sleep and pay bills. Chick family obligations, you know, taking her kids different places, you know, having dinner, you know, going to birthday parties. And then she did have a little quality time in there, about two hours a day, but not enough to really nurture her. And what we realized looking at her day was, she had zero hours in the day allocated to advancing what she wanted to really do with her life. Mm -hmm. So she'd kind of gotten into this rut and the changes we made were not drastic, but they were some simple mind shifts, right? So first of all, with family obligations, similar to what we were just talking about, she sat down with her kids and she really started to say, of the extracurricular things you're doing, what really matters to you? And she found that her son, who had been on a sports team, which had practice plus games multiple days a week, really wasn't loving it, but he'd really be interested in taking guitar lessons. So, oh, wow, okay. He That's was a big happier. Yeah. He was happier yeah. making that shift, but the difference between playing soccer and guitar lessons is guitar lessons are a half hour once a week. Oh. Big, big <laughs> shift, right? Tons of difference, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and there were things her daughter was doing that she kind of was like, you know, I don't know if I really want to keep doing it. Great, you know, let's not put pressure there. So that helped get her a few more hours. She also started realizing that she could delegate some household chores to her kids or her husband. So that gave her more time as well. And between the two, we were able to open up about five hours in her day for wow. more quality time, so better self-care, but also mm -hmm. two hours a day for what we call my why. And mm -hmm. the thing with my why, if you're you know, a professional whose work is really your vocation, is that it aligns pretty well with what you do at your job. It's just finding the time to do that research project or study that new material or be more involved in a professional organization. So 
by kind of recalibrating, she was able to not only find the time, but to show her employers how she could, you know, be spending her time a little bit more efficiently. So on her commute, she could listen to a podcast. So she could be learning professional development skills. So that took away, whittled away some of that 10 hours of work obligation and just put it in a different bucket that was more directed and more purposeful. So it wasn't a huge shift. It All we really did was find her three extra hours in the day. And that sounds amazing. I mean, 30 minutes is a big deal in this house right now with a one-year-old. So three hours is amazing. And um, but what I like that what what it was, it wasn't like all of a sudden she stopped doing something or stopped sleeping as much, but she actually got rid of the things that weren't needed anyway. And so I, I actually, it feels like a, a nice sort of house cleaning, reevaluating of where her time and her energy was spent. And, and I love this. And I think it's something that we could probably all do regularly as a little kind of checkup. And which is why I was hoping you would share with us um, this approach today, because part of this whole retreat and what I do at this time of year myself is take a step back, kind of reassess and and intentionally go into the fall season with with this new kind of maybe more spacious schedule. So I'm, I'm going to be very excited to go back and kind of journal about this myself and kind of I look where I can maybe move my energy and my time around a little differently. So I wonder if there's anything else, Angela, you want to share for people going through that type of exercise for myself and for everybody else listening to the retreat today. Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I'm with you. Fall always seems like the time of new beginnings for me. Mm-hmm. And it just something about the weather getting cooler is invigorating. But my advice is be ruthless. Ah, I love it. <laughs> so much for granted that we think we have to do. And so I would say make a map of your whole day, everything you do, and then for every single task and get really granular with this, ask yourself why. And Ah, really, really, really answer that question. Don't let yourself off the hook with, well, because I have to, or because it's part of this really have a meaningful answer to the why and what you'll notice when you challenge yourself to go deeper and to really understand what's behind is that a lot of things you're doing are habits yeah they may have served you at one time or they may have been modeled for you growing up so you just adopted them but if they're not serving you let them go Mm, I love that. And so do you have any other examples of what those things could be? I know for me, uh, I've been doing a little bit more. I actually have a video game on my little iPad I've been playing, which I don't normally do video games. <laughs> so I think it's been uh, just a little bit of that kind of casual, you know, um, self-care, but I probably don't need to be doing it as much as I do lately. So that's a little small confession on my side. I think I could probably shrink that bucket of time that that activity is, you know, you know, use it maybe every so often instead of a daily thing. It, yes and no, you know, because if you read the book, one of the things that you'll notice is self-care really mm-hmm. comes out because when we are burned out, when we are flustered, when we just feel overwhelmed, nothing we do is efficient. 
Oh, and, so true. <laughs> yeah. and we're not very creative either. Our mm. creative brain, and I have a whole chapter on how the brain works. I love that one, by the way. <laughs> so it was it, mm-hmm. fascinating, fascinating yeah. to learn all this, but we actually shut down mentally in a lot of ways when we are tired and stressed out. And so while it feels like I'm so busy, how could I possibly take time to have a nice leisurely lunch and visit a museum? That actually is probably the best decision you should make. And the reason is you are letting yourself relax you are exposing yourself to different stimuli and your brain is going to make different kinds of connections to solve the problem of whatever your work is. Mm -hmm. So you might have worked an hour and a half less, but you'll come back and be twice as productive and creative, which I think is a layer we often forget about. And even if you don't, technically work in a creative field, we all have to use creativity as a skill set every day. Absolutely. And this is my like core message in my in Exhale and Thrive coaching is is yeah, if we don't get the time to breathe and reflect and like you said, get that perspective and really give ourselves a break, then we're not as effective for sure. And I love how you talked about the three um, brain systems. Can you just maybe quickly touch on that? I don't remember there was a I think an executor and this Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, yeah, we have uh, basically three different networks. So these are different brain regions that work cooperatively. So we have an executive network that is involved with evaluating things. This is sort of like the prefrontal cortex. This is logic. This is ethics. This is all of those kind of what we often call the right brain, you know, Mm, Then we have what's called the default network, which is responsible for ideation. So this is the one that's out there inventing new possibilities, making uncommon connections. But there is this third network called the salience network that is the switcher. And what I think is really interesting about the salience network is it's also the filter. So have you ever noticed If you are talking with a friend about a new car that you might be interested in, you suddenly see that car on the road everywhere. Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what's behind that, right? Because we've all had that experience. Well, there aren't suddenly more of that car. You just, by putting your attention to that particular thing, told the salience network, to prioritize that Mm -hmm. because all five of our senses bring in literally billions of pieces of information every second. We could not even begin to store, let alone process all of the sensory data that is coming in. And so the salience network is the gatekeeper. It decides what stuff we actually become aware of. So I love that. That's like the gatekeeper. That's that's important. <laughs> important for it to be working in, in your favor, really. Yeah, and yeah. so many of us have set our gatekeeper instructions and then 
just left them there. And so what does our salience network keep bringing in? The same old stuff. So we don't have any new material for that default network to really work with. On the other hand, when you allow yourself to be playful, when you allow yourself to have different experiences, you're setting that gatekeeper instructions on a little different mode, which then gives you more stimuli that are different from the ones you already have had or the memories you have. So it lets you be more creative. And it also lowers the stress response because in, in the chapter on the body, I talk a lot about how toxic stress is. And one of the things that just one that stress does is it shuts down the logical part of our brain, the problem solving part of our brain, mm. because it's really only geared for immediate survival. So we actually, when we relax, we let our brain function improve, which a lot of people True. don't realize. Yeah, and I found so many leaders I've found over the years have said they're in that survive mode all the time, day in and day out. And not only is that bad for our bodies and our health, but it also, like you said, just really limits what they're able to do on a day-to-day -day basis and can't make as good decisions, you know, aren't going to be as good with their team and on and on and on it goes. So yeah, I, the I, very yeah. skills you need to help you are the ones that are getting shut down. Oh yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I think that's a bit of a wake up call for sure. <laughs> so it's a good reminder for me to, to hear this again and again and, and, and in your way and the, the, the details that you have um, are, I wasn't familiar with these networks and I haven't heard it put that way before. So this has been really great for me to really be able to dive deeper into this topic and I know I've already read your book once and I can't wait to read it through again. Um, so I'd love to invite anybody here that wants to find out more about the Time Builder book. Angela, where would they be able to find it? So they can find it right on my website, which is architectingpodcast.com. It is available right on the front page. There's also a Perfect. tab where you can see both books and there's a link there to click to purchase either one. And then, sorry, I think I've also given you a direct link to the sales page, which don't make me say it because it's I know, long. I'll share that. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'll put that below the video as well. So, and I love this conversation and this topic. Angela, I could talk to you for hours, so we'll have to do more uh, future sessions, I'm sure. Uh, so I just wonder if there's anything else anybody uh, listening should, should know or if they're looking at, trying to find some more time in their day, what would you kind of leave them with as lasting, you know, last thoughts today? Sure, sure. So I think a big thing we often don't think about is that we, we do have seasons, right? And so to expect that at every moment, every day, day in, day out, we are always going to be optimally creative and productive is not realistic. Oh, too bad. <laughs> I wish I could be sometimes, for sure. <laughs> but it really does work much like the four seasons, right? The spring is the ideation, the summer is the doing, the making it happen, the fall is the sort of seeing it play out, and the winter season is about integration. Mm. And 
in our society, we want to be all about spring, summer, fall and skip the winter yes. or make the winter wrong. But mm. if we don't allow that integration, we never get the learning, the elevation, the higher leveling that mm. we could. Mm. And we just kind of keep cycling down you know at, at one level when we could be spiraling upward oh wow that gives me just like shivers just hearing that because i think that resonates hugely and especially in high achieving people right you know kind of want to just jump to the next thing um so how would one um give space or allow that that integration piece to happen well i think it comes from knowing that you do need rest and some days the very best way you could spend your day is taking a nap mm -hmm. and reading a i call it junk food kind of book, you know? <laughs> right yes. or binge watching something on tv that that's okay mm -hmm. now if you find the, the warning i'll give about integration is it's easy to get stuck there right and to just yeah. keep giving okay. yourself a pass so mm -hmm. if you find that this is going on too long or that you're starting to use it as an excuse not to get things done, then you need to kind of start motivating yourself. But mm -hmm. it's okay to do nothing because sometimes when we do nothing, our subconscious mind is still really, really busy doing a lot of work for us so that when we're ready to kick into action, we've already planted you know that seed that mm -hmm. is ready now instead you know winter is when the seed is sort of i don't know exactly agricultural terms but it's, it's, getting, ready. Yeah. it's getting ready to grow mm -hmm. and so then it does burst out of the soil on the other hand if we never let it germinate we don't have anything to work with yeah, that that's wonderful. And what a beautiful message to uh, bring us back full circle to the beginning of this talk where you were talking about making space for either doing those things that are important to you or having that, that rest time so you can really get that time to really process or be creative and have all of that pieces come, come out there. So this has been so wonderful, Angela, and this is just a great summary of your book. There's even more great details in there, more chapters we didn't even touch on today. Uh, but if you like this whole concept, then I highly encourage you to check out the Time Builder book that Angela has just finished writing. It's your second book um, and it's just been amazing and it's definitely going to be one of my classic go-to time management books that I will revisit again and again this weekend. So Angela, thank you so much for sharing everything that you have today. Take care. Bye. It was so great to talk to Sarah and she is a mastermind partner of mine. So we have great conversations like this all of the time. If you'd like to learn more about how to meet mastermind partners and how to leverage that part of your network, you might want to consider getting my Thrive Digital course. I have it on sale as part of a Labor Day special that I'm doing. So it's normally a $150 course and you can get it for just $100 if you act in the next few days. So don't miss out on this. This is valuable information and it includes six videos, four 60-minute audios, 
plus workbooks to go along with all of this so you can keep track of how you're doing in your own life with all of this. So if you'd like to dive deeper into the idea of networking, especially masterminds or even some of these aspects of time management that Sarah and I were talking about today, definitely check it out. You can see the link in the show notes or you can go to b.link slash Thrive class and that will get you there as well. And I would love to have you take the class and get results for yourself. So take care for now, everyone. Love you. Thanks for being part of this episode of Architecting. If you enjoyed the show, join our community on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to keep up with what's in the show pipeline, including a behind-the-scenes look at my architecture lifestyle. Feel free to share your content ideas. Love to hear your feedback. You can also visit architectingpodcast.com to download free career content and learn about my classes, book, and coaching programs. Until next time, stay inspired. (laughs) 